Hello and welcome to Reporter Podcast, special Reporter After Hours edition. Uh, we're going to be discussing a little bit of pop culture today. Uh, and to start off, I'm going to introduce everyone who's here in the room uh, and ask them a little bit about what music they've been listening to recently. Uh, so first, I'm your host, Alex Medin, and I have been listening to the Super Slimy Mix by Young Thug and Future. Moving on to Ryan Black, our technology editor and podcast producer. Any music you've been listening to recently? I've been listening to the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack. Awesome. <laughs> Because uh, I'm a nerd. <laughs> Aren't we all? Rosie is our editor-in-chief. What have you been listening to? Ooh, okay. Two songs. Uh, first one is Jams with a Z by Sales. And the second one, Mountain Tune, MTN by Trails and Ways. So good. Nice. Uh, we also have Levi Davis from our video staff here. What have you been listening to recently? Yes, yeah, so I've been taking a step back. I've been listening to um, Ill Delph, uh, Half-Life by The Roots. And mm-hmm. uh, some D'Angelo, like a lot of D'Angelo, like Voodoo, 90s hip-hop, you know, that whole deal. Uh, and finally, in this room with us, we have James Abrams, our video editor. You've been listening to anything good recently? Oh, yeah, man. I, I It's been mostly a summer track, but I, I'm still really into the Gorillaz Humans album. I cannot get over that. And also, out of nowhere, the song uh, Speedline Miracle Masterpiece, uh, which was like a single produced for GTA V, <laughs> and it, it just came up out of, out of, out of nowhere. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is a sick song. It's with uh, the lead singer from TV on the radio. Like, it's just one single. It's not TV on the radio, but it's he's on this track, and it's dope. All right. Great. Thank you all for uh, introducing your musical taste to us. <laughs> uh, the first topic that we wanted to discuss today was this cool new video game called Cuphead. Cuphead. Uh, have any of you guys played it? Oh, my gosh. Have you seen the art on it? Yes, I have <laughs> seen the art on it. I actually just played one level yesterday. And I thought it was super hard, but looked really cool. Was it just the tutorial? Could you get past that? I got past it. I, wasn't, I did not get stuck in the tutorial. But we played the second level instead of the first level, and it was really freaking hard. And I was oh kind of, like, demotivated to continue. Yeah. So, like, my first time playing, I think it took me about three days to beat the first level before I realized I was just playing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, are you playing it wrong? So, apparently, like, you're supposed to buy, like, this special power-up when you get your first set of coins, mm-hmm. and I just didn't do that. Uh, so I went back and played it again, and here I am. <laughs> Does the game explain that to you, or are you just supposed to, like, infer that? So, like, this game hails from the days of, like, Contra and um, uh, Crash Bandicoot and Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, nothing is told to you. You're just told how to play the game, and that's it. Mm. So if you get stuck or if you can't figure something out, like, it's on you to sort of go back and say, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, and, and it's not easy. Um, but the gameplay is really smooth and clean, and obviously the animation is phenomenal. Like yeah. you said, you know a little bit about animation. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a 3D animation major, oh, so cool. like um, I've watched some GTC videos, um, sort of behind the scenes for Cuphead, and like not all the techniques used on it are traditional, but they emulate like the sort of uh, 1930s Fleischer Brothers sort of style. Like you've seen this in Popeye and um, uh, other things too. Like even a little bit of Mickey Mouse in there as well, which I think is really nice. It's really cool to sort of see that in gaming because it really hasn't been done before. Uh, a lot of the methods now are just like you know either pixel art or just hyper real 3D. I think it sort of struck this really nice balance. Is yeah. it all is it all hand drawn? Um, to an extent, yeah. Like, like I think it's kind of like like if you guys know like uh, shows like The Simpsons or SpongeBob, where like there's a very delicate balance between like uh, you know sort of more puppety stuff and then like uh, also hand drawn. Like I think that's sort of where Cuphead is. And then just the techniques they use, uh, whether that's in the post-processing or in the animation, emulate that style while still making it, you know, something like that you can use in a 
in a modern video game. Absolutely. And I'm not sure what the inspiration is behind some of the characters, but I think they're really nicely developed. Like, I just keep thinking about this one. There's this character, and she is, like, a mermaid, and she's got this, like, octopus on her head. That's her hair. And the way, like, the way they've animated her sort of, like, brushing her hair up on that boss level is just, I think, really incredible. I actually remember listening to a, a interview with the two creators. I believe they're brothers by the name of... Chad, yep, Chad, <laughs> Chad and Jared Moldenhauer, and I think they were talking about like as a kid, they would go into like video stores with their dad and just like buy like the VHS tapes for like Popeye or Betty Boop, and like that was just always a mainstay in their house apparently. And so growing up, that was just like always something that was a figment of their imagination. And, like so, when they were like at the point in their lives, hey, like maybe we can make this game, just like they got way more ambitious than they were expecting. Like, oh, what art style do we want to go with? is very, very Fleischer Brothers influence, which was completely Betty Boop and where every part, like the walls could have faces and everything could move and defy physics and it was all scary and evil because that's what old cartoons were. <laughs> yeah, I think what's really cool about this game in particular is that it's not trying to be that era, it just is that era. You know, like when you play it, that's what it feels like. That's awesome. Yeah, actually, speaking of, um, I think this is a really good opportunity to segue into Stranger Things just because, you know, a lot of this attraction to what Cuphead imbues and what Cuphead embodies and the fact and sort of like the attraction to Stranger Things um, I read an article that kind of covers that it's it's like called the Stranger Things effect, um, and it's really sort of like you know it's it's our fascination and our attraction towards this like seventies eighties aesthetic, um, and it's the reason you know Polaroid has picked up again and things like that 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 we're really into and we'll buy and we'll purchase and it's you know almost like why do we still get records besides sort of like the fancy for music like that, um, but just sort of we want to have that aesthetic in our lives currently. Um, that's not so. That's not necessarily modern, but it's this other appeal to it. I just want to jump in before we start talking about Stranger Things. For those of you listening, we're not going to spoil season two, but we're going to probably talk about season one. So if you haven't finished season one, turn this off. Go finish it. Maybe watch season two as well, and then come back to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Uh, what I was just saying, kind of continuation of what Rosie was saying. It's interesting how, like, obviously, all of us are at the oldest in our 20s so it's interesting how like we still like kind of feel the nostalgia for like the like 80s Amblin Spielberg <laughs> entertainment stuff that like Stranger Things is very much very much going for but like why would we feel nostalgia for it? I think that's something to be said for the Duffer Brothers mm-hmm. I believe that's who had directed it and and I, what I've heard is that because I wasn't there in the 80s it's not that accurate really like it's not actually what the 80s was like but it's the style that makes it feel like you're watching something nostalgic, even if it's not your own nostalgia, which is really cool. You like feel you're brought back there. Oh my gosh! And I can never get over those like camera angles that they choose to use, the way they represent the characters, and it's just so artfully done. Yeah, it's very, it's very much not uh, of supposed to, supposed to be of the era, but supposed to be of the the films of that era, and almost everything is a. You know, there's a line between being just copy pasting other stories when you're making your own original story, and then doing wonderful callbacks and just being like this is a, a clear homage this is a this is a love letter to those to those movies and there's obvious this isn't a spoiler but there's obvious references to aliens and the terminator in in very artful ways in stranger things in this new season and in the last season i mean if you've seen the trailer there's obvious they're wearing ghostbusters costumes i mean it's it's, it's a it's an awesome as i said love letter to those sorts of uh, stories and without being completely just like oh yeah it's it's that again 
I mean, from from season one, we we invested in these characters as D and D nerds. These are these are cute kids that are just like obsessed with um, playing you know tabletop stuff in their basement, and that. Uh, is, is embodied through these characters then go and enter those movies and we're watching that unfold as if it's a real life event happening to these characters and then what's this show has like no right to be good it's such a silly like far-fetched uh bunch of characters like you've seen these characters before and this is like kind of almost a cliche event but it's these like characters twilight zone episode oh, oh my but... god yes <laughs> <laughs> one really long twilight zone With but a these really char- synthy soundtrack oh my oh, yeah. which is super that dope soundtrack. in this new season by the way if, if if you're into blade runner as ryan you said that new soundtrack from, from blade runner 2049 it's actually much more synthy in this new season than in the last season. And um, these characters are just so well orchestrated. And characters that have, oh, this is clearly that trope of being the bully, still they get a moment to shine. You've got the conspiracy theory guy and 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 the nerd in the in the library, and they have these little scripted moments which are just gorgeous and well illustrated. Is it to kind of uh, segue off of that point? I would say like the character I didn't expect to love most of the season. I'm mean, gonna like not speak specifically, but Dustin has a lot of scenes this season where it's just like it's him like ruling the scene i'm just like i just want to watch a show about him like he doesn't even have to be doing anything existential just like like he was like a kind of like a side character like he didn't really get his own arc in the first season so it's it's interesting like it kind of speaks to how well cast the show is like in terms of like they just got i, I have to imagine it's the toughest thing to cast kid actors but they just mm-hmm. got a cast mm-hmm. that like hey if you want if we want to like elevate this ancillary character like all these guys are and girls are rising to the occasion. Absolutely. And I'm actually so excited that in season two we get more of Will. Because I was I was really bummed you know, when we didn't see as much of him in the first season because he's a phenomenal actor. And that's and just seeing more of him, seeing his acting, seeing him develop on screen, I think that's fantastic for season two. And it's something you look for, I think, in, in series developments. One thing which at first in the beginning of season two, again, I'm, I'm, I'm guarding myself. No spoilers, you guys. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't do that to you. But there, there's... Um, elements of a series where you can challenge yourself as a writer and director and say there isn't necessarily one protagonist. And I, I would argue that in season one, uh, um, Mike is, is Mike. Mike is the kid that was also in it. That's his character's name. Yeah, Mike, Mike is very much the protagonist. And it's a lot about him and Eleven. And they were the, the two driving forces. And as you said, Dustin and Lucas, they're like, uh, you know, tertiary characters that kind of, yeah, they lend foils. And then you've got, you know, the Winona Ryder, you know, side story and just screaming her son's name. Um, you do see in season two, you, you can look forward to seeing uh, Winona be a different kind of character, really be more involved in a more action-driven way. And then seeing, again, you know, no spoilers, but see other characters rise to the front while other characters kind of take a step back and figure their stuff out. And they have a chance to, as the season develops, they say, let our let our whole cast kind of glow and then take the forefront so that other characters can take uh, a step back, which is an exciting thing to see in TV because it can be very, this is working, let's do the same thing. This is evidence that they care more about their characters than necessarily driving home what's working. Yeah, exactly. And in homage to the way to how well it's done, I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, I just want to see more of this character. Why can't I see more of this character? I feel like I'm seeing enough of this character because I'm getting so much great content from these other from this other talent. Can I ask who everyone's favorite character is? Ooh. Definitely, definitely uh, Lucas. Because, like, especially in season one, like, every decision where he's like, no, I don't want to do this. Like, I was right with him. Like, why would you go on this crazy adventure, you know? Definitely, like, the most realistic and down-to-earth character. It's hard not to root for Eleven. I mean, kind of hard not to root for, like, the silent, psionic 11-year-old who just, like... She's number one twice. (laughs) I like the sheriff. (laughs) Oh, Hopper. He's so cool. 
He's doing the right thing. No sheriff ever does the right thing in a TV show. He's like the only one who's on top of it. True. I'm a big Winona Ryder fan, so. True, she kills I, it too. Yeah, she does. I gotta say, my favorite character is weirdly enough, it's gotta be Steve. He's he's so like he's such a they, he enters in season one as like this stupid like stud. I'm gonna mess this relationship up and I'm a jerk. Mm-hmm. And by the end of season one, he's like apologizing. I may I messed up and he's doing things in season two where he's like I'm just trying to be the good guy and he's so charismatic and I, I just his hair is so good. Oh his my hair gosh, is so hair. good. Okay, in high I feel like the way they <laughs> represent really high school genius. is it's just a hair competition between everyone. That's all the eighties was. There's this scene. In, in season two, and I won't spoil it, but just like the most glorious mullet and like character Ooh. I could give, like take or leave, but like the most glorious mullet is introduced. Rosie's fainting over here. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the hair competition, it escalates. It takes new heights, for lack of a better word, but also no pun intended, new heights. <laughs> Literally. I, I did want to add to what James was saying about Steve though, in terms of like, I think he embodies the character archetype which they do the best at subverting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That said, I there are some things in season two, and this is kind of to transition to some of the negatives, not to be a downer, but like I do feel like there are, there is more territory where they feel like they, instead of kind of like subverting or like portraying a new angle on like something we've seen in all these '80s movies, they kind of just like go the tried and true path in terms of just like oh, they're gonna be that cliche about it. And maybe it's just because I'm five episodes in and I haven't seen the last three episodes, but I uh, you know. I, I'm always looking for something to kind of like defy my expectations, and so far it's it's definitely meeting my expectations, but in succeeding in a lot of ways. But like, yeah, you know, like I said, I like to see something more subversive, especially with all the tropes it's playing with. True, no, for sure, and I, I think they're playing to those strengths in a target audience kind of way. Like this is what you do want to see. I think they're kind of. I think I I wouldn't challenge that too much. I I definitely agree with you. I think from Stranger Things, I wouldn't try to expect maybe more from that because where they I think succeed in challenging those standards is by saying we have an amazing character where we can succeed with them is by saying we have two awesome characters let's team them up in a unique way that you wouldn't expect and that's something you can look forward to in in this season is that there are characters that shouldn't be paired together on a side story but they are just thrown together anyway like now let's just spend a couple seasons alone with them and see what they do and it's a hilarious dialogue which you wouldn't expect and that's where you can be thrown off they don't necessarily challenge their tropes, but they challenge their relationships, and I, I think that's a good, I think that's a good writing thing. But I, I definitely agree with you that it, it it relies on that crutch of their their thing. I do agree about you know you've got two characters. I'm also at, at, at episode five, just finished episode five. Can't <laughs> wait for episode six because there are two characters that have been matched up in a scene, and I want to see how it transpires. How are they organically going to develop this? Like the, the, this dialogue and this scene and the storyline that's that that they're brewing here. I I don't want to say it for fear of like spoiling it, but I think we're thinking about the same thing. Where I think so. It's <laughs> not, it's, it's, it's 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 pretty cliche. Or as opposed to one of the things James is alluding to, I think I didn't expect this at all because like to my memory, I don't recall these two characters interacting much in season one, but they their dynamic is perfect and it makes sense for each character. And I, I love it thus far and I did not expect it at all. Um, so this is the first time that we've done this sort of like after hours episode. And I just want to say that when we're covering shows that have just come out, we don't want to do spoilers. This whole episode is just a bunch of insinuations and things like that. But I think it's, you know, it's turned out pretty yeah, well. I'm the only one who hasn't watched it. I'm just eyeballing people <laughs> like, don't even. <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm just like deleting it from my memory as it goes. <laughs> well, let's go back around in a circle and ask what people are watching. So I'll start because I'm the host. And I'm, <laughs> I'm actually still just watching Dragon Ball. 
Is Dragon Ball Super is airing right now, and it's really, it's super good. Everyone should watch it. Ryan? Uh, well, you, you, you just have tempted me to get back into Dragon Ball. Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> but uh, I would say what I'm actually hoping to watch over the next weeks is Thor Ragnarok, because that just looks oh, yeah. off the wall, and I love Taiki Watiti. Anyone who hasn't seen Hunt for the Wilder People should, or What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows is solid. Yeah, that movie's really good. Yeah. Anyway. He directs it. Apparently, it's just like full 100% Taika Waititi. Everyone should go watch it. Yeah. Awesome. Rosie? Ooh. Um, so, I just recently started watching Grace and Frankie and oh, so haven't stopped laughing since. So, <laughs> so cute. Levi? Um, so, ironically enough, as a Philadelphian, I've actually just started watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Nice. And it's just funny watching this show that was made for 2006, like watching it in 2017. It's just like so like non-synchronous. It's really interesting. It's like, How about you, James? Yeah. Um, I watch too much TV. I just, I mean, I just finished <laughs> BoJack season four, which oh, which met which met the bar so and surpassed it. BoJack's amazing. Absolutely. Uh, what I just I'm like on the last episode of, and it's, it's a str- I'm not sure I'm recommending it. It's a very strange foray, but there's uh, a really hilarious show called Big Mouth. Uh, yeah, that show was pretty good. And being live action and watching so many cartoons, I feel like a hypocrite. But Big Mouth is, it challenges a lot of. Uh, it's a weird like sex ed show while also being an adult. And kids, it's very, very weird. Um, give it a try. I'm not sure I really have anything more to say besides it's just an experience one should maybe have because you might actually be that guy that's like, oh, I didn't actually, know, <laughs> I didn't actually know that. I needed to know that. And yeah. then yeah, Thor, Thor Ragnarok, Ryan for sure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reporter Podcast, <laughs> Reporter After Hours Edition. Uh, make sure to catch the Reporter in stands and online in November. Uh, we're online at reporter.rit.edu. Uh, we're also on social media at Reporter Mag on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, and if you have anything that you want to share about your, your personal pop culture interests, you can call us at Rings 585-672-4840. Leave us an anonymous message and maybe we'll feature you in the magazine. <laughs>